this idea that I was waiting around to be good enough and for someone to give me permission to say what I want to say, I wish I would have spent so much less time worrying about being good enough mm-hmm. and just would have put my freaking head down and done the work because confidence comes in action. It doesn't, you can't think about something for years and be like, figure out confidence. You get confident when you just do it. My name is Dave Buddha, and this is Darken the Page, the podcast that interviews successful writers about their creative process. Today's guest is Jamie Varon. Jamie is a freelance writer, graphic designer, and creative consultant based in Los Angeles, California. I found her through Thought Catalog, where she was their West Coast producer for a year before leaving to work for herself. Jamie is someone I've been excited about interviewing because she's the kind of writer who has a strong opinion and isn't afraid to share it. Her writing is real, authentic, and refreshing. We talk a lot about the marriage of art and commerce, and it was such a great discussion that this episode actually went a little longer than usual, um, but I left it in because it was so good. Um, I really enjoyed what Jamie had to say, and we did. I thought we did a really good job of actually not taking sides and presenting both sides of the story between art and commerce. In the show, we also talk about two other writers, Emma Gannon and Laura Jane Williams. And so when you hear Emma or Laura, that's who we're talking about. Laura was on episode 26 and Emma was on episode 41. And I think you'll love those episodes as well. Don't forget to check out um, the logo contest that I ran with Darken, with 99designs for Darken the Page. Darkenthepage.com slash 99designs is where you can do that. And if you follow the link and use 99designs, um, they will send us a check and so appreciate that now here's jamie theron tell me about your little your history as a writer um because it seems like you've you've gotten to a place where you're pretty good at what you do and and especially in the freelance writing world yeah so i I mean, I would say I've probably always wanted to be a writer ever since I was a kid. Um, My mom will tell you about all my little journals of poetry stashed around our house. Um, So that's always been kind of something I've always done. And I started writing on the internet pretty exclusively in like 2008, 2009. But it was really just a personal blog and I'd be like, I'm going to write every day. And then I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took me a really long time to realize that pretty much the thing that was shooting me in the foot all the time was not my talent. It was my lack of consistency. And that was sucky because consistency can be very boring. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought, uh, I think I just thought that it would all happen. Um, And then about a year and a half ago, I basically made a decision that I was going to take myself very, very, very seriously as a writer. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't do that, then I would never know how I would actually, if I could actually build a career. Um, And I decided to call myself a professional writer before I ever even got paid to write. Mm -hmm. 
And that was sort of the catalyst for me taking everything that I'm doing seriously. And I had a job at a full-time job at Thought Catalog for about a year. And then um, I left that because it was kind of turning into more management than writing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do that. So made a very hard decision in deciding to, you know, bank on my writing instead of my business ethic in terms of like working for a company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since then I have kept up some pretty good habits when it comes to that only because, I mean, you get to the point where like you have to hold yourself accountable. That's Mm. the only thing you can do. Otherwise, if like waiting for someone else to hold you accountable, it just, it won't work. And I think that's where I get when it comes to being so prolific and putting my work out there because I was just like, I can't spend another night going to sleep mad at myself that I didn't do my best work and I didn't get any further in my Mm. career. I, you know, I just couldn't. And so it's really, that's kind of a constant in my life of change, which is, I change the moment I get really sick of myself. Mm. (laughs) So I, that really helps me. I, I get to the point where I'm like, you're so annoying. You need to do something else. (laughs) (laughs) That usually works because I tend to uh, stick with those changes. Yeah. I, well, I'm really glad you said that actually, because the, I feel like I'm, I'm in a similar situation. Um, and maybe six months into that journey instead of a year and a half. Uh, I realized that for myself too. Cause I was like, well, I'm doing this writing thing every once in a while. It's pretty good. I mean, just judging by the feedback and, you know, the occasional things going, you know, viral beyond my circle of friends and that, you know, and I realized that for myself too. I was like, the only way this is going to, this is going to be something that is sustainable, that works for you and, and also fills you up because you enjoy it is if you, if you, if you choose yourself before somebody else chooses you. And and you're going to have to go through this period, whether it's a year or five years or even 10 years or whatever, you're going to have to go through this period of holding yourself accountable before there's money holding you accountable, you know, or before that there's a huge reward so much so that it's maybe easier to get yourself to go and sit down Monday through Friday. Um, and I'm still kind of in that period. And, and although where I'm at now, which is kind of exciting, is I do have people that will be upset with me if I don't produce the stuff you know they're not exactly paying me but they're they are upset with me because they're fans and that's really nice um but it's so hard to get to these these stages and i and i really appreciate that your perspective on that because i can relate to it a lot well it is hard it's very hard and the thing is is that i think as artists we think that the pinnacle is getting paid and from someone who got paid to be a full-time writer i can tell you that it comes with its whole other host of issues, Mm -hmm. um, turning, monetizing your art and your love and your thoughts and your soul is like, it's, I would almost say it's exponentially harder than being frustrated that you're not making money because it is incredibly hard to put that because you have to have, if, if someone's paying you to write or do your art, they have to get something in return. So all of a sudden this thing that you love and that you write from your heart and 
it's this incredible experience for yourself. It now is supposed to belong to someone else. And it kind of messed it, it messed with me. I mean, it was hard to figure out where I began and the commerce of it began and Mm -hmm. start, you know? So I think that that's something I'm really passionate about is like saying to people that, you know, it, it, it's not the dream life once you can sustain yourself off writing. I mean, it's a whole different monster and mm-hmm. it's actually so important to, to know who you are as a writer mm-hmm. and to have your voice and to be able to say, no, that doesn't fit with me. Let's try something else. Because if you don't have any conviction and mm-hmm. then you're getting paid and your paycheck and your rent is 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 being paid by your writing without your conviction. Ooh, ooh, it's it's tough. It yeah. was really tough for me. Um mm-hmm. because working at Thought Catalog and I mean working online, people want traffic. They want they want that viral. Yeah. I mean, you want it as well, of course, because you want people to read your writing. Right. But you also don't want it just for anything. You don't right. want it and so it's a tough balance. And it really does. I say now I'm like, I was so frustrated at myself that it took me so long. It felt like it took me so long to get to this place. But then Mm. I was like, thank God it did because I would have gotten swallowed by this world. I really would. Yeah. I, you know, I think about it. I think I'm, I think very similar thoughts for myself as so I, uh, my other life as a musician and last couple of years I've taken a break from that but for a while that was all I did and, and worked toward a music career and had to manage and all that and I look back at, at myself in my early to mid even some even late 20s and I think to myself god thank god I didn't get what I wanted which was <laughs> fame and fortune and all this other stuff because like you know again the, I love I love how you put that too that if you have to the the conviction is the anchor, you know, to have conviction and know who you are. Um, otherwise, you're not going to be able to withstand gale force winds of fame and money and all that stuff. And and just with just with just with like a light breeze of a little bit of promise of traffic, you know, your conviction can go out the window if you if you don't really have it. If it's not true. And so I I totally hear what you're saying. It, you're completely right. It is. That's a great way of putting it that it's the anchor because, you know, the conviction is the thing that actually allows you to stay true just because, I mean, there are so many opportunities, you know, most artists, they don't want to be successful just for success's sake. That's like, a very, very true thing about real true artists. Mm -hmm. They want to have their voice, their point of view, and to share that, um, you know, no matter what the medium. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that sometimes, like you said, I mean, the fame of it and the, the fortune is so intoxicating that all of a sudden you're compromising what you believe and what you really your own quality and your own ethics. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, to put it bluntly, I mean, it's soul crushing to Mm -hmm. be doing that and taking something so pure as art. And, you know, it's a really fine balance between marrying commerce and art. I mean, it's something that many, many artists throughout the times has talked about. 
you know, yeah. is this kind of thing. And I, I find it, I still find myself in that balance of, you know, with freelancing, you have to pitch based on what that, what that, um, outlet wants. Mm -hmm. And you have to like, kind of straddle that between what you want to say too, because, you know, otherwise you're just like a puppet and it doesn't really feel that great because writing, writing is hard on its own, but then writing stuff you don't even really believe in is exponentially harder. Yeah. And uh, yeah, soul crushing, I think is the best word for it. You use that's true. a lot of experience in this like you not just writing for publications but being an editor too and, and receiving pitches and, and then having to report to bosses and things like that um so where would you say how what is your uh your mantra or your mode today that has you keep your sanity and also be able to you know put some food on the table and and then look at yourself in the mirror and go to bed every night like what how do you how do you manage it today? And it might change, of course, but. Well, I mean, part of, honestly, something that I never thought that I would be okay with is having like a side job as well. Um, I, I tend to need something that frees me from putting all the pressure on my writing because the moment mm -hmm. I put all the pressure on my writing, I don't like it anymore. It's, yeah. I mean, I don't like the process, but I also don't like what I write. It's not very good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me lately, it's just been, how can I do this in a way that creates abundance and not like a place of desperation where I say yes to things that I don't want to say yes to. And just making sure that I'm every day kind of, doing the things that I say I'm going to do, which is really obvious, but it's kind of tough when you work on your own, everything. Mm -hmm. I like, I do everything on my own because I also am a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. So I do that on my own too. And it's just like constant keeping myself motivated. And, um, you know, I don't think that I have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm still trying to find, some sort of um, balance. But at the same time, I'm like, the thing that I always think is like safety, stability, these are all just made up ideas. I can't, mm. I mean, there's nothing to say that anything is permanent. And I've seen my life change in an actual moment, an email, one email could change my life in mm -hmm. an instant. And so Everything, I just try to keep my life incredibly fluid and flexible to be able to say yes to opportunities and, but also, you know, straddling the, the line between staying open and flexible, but like surviving. And mm -hmm. it's a tough, it's, it's tough. I'm not going to say it's easy at all. It is tough, but I feel that even as tough as it is, if I wasn't doing this, I think that that would be. I would be very, very, I would probably just cease to be excited. 
life. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting, but it is hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But there's something true about it that, that, that feels like it's, it's a worthy, it's a worthy journey. It is. Mm. And I see that, um, you know, building towards something bigger is important, but also, I mean, something that I've learned throughout the years is I just tend to keep a pretty hazy future vision. I'm like, mm -hmm. let's see where the wind takes me. Let's see where the opportunities take me. And um, that's been helpful because I think that I've spent, I was doing a lot of projecting and then having some really intense expectations that couldn't be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just like spending time frustrated about expectations that I created for myself for no reason. <laughs> so I can make him relate to that. <laughs> I love that phrase intense expectations because that, that is, yeah, I get that. And, um, and then just having to come home with the fact that you actually made them up yourself is, is always fun too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, where did I even get this idea that right. I should do this? And I'm now pissed off that it didn't happen. Like, Oh, great. I made this expectation when I hadn't, when I was X age and I hadn't grown to this point. I mean, I, I just think like everything in life, I believe that you always need a sort of like growth buffer. Mm -hmm. You're going to grow. You could grow in a day and be like, wow, yesterday's dream is like, I'm out, I've outgrown that. I don't even want that anymore. And yeah. it's, I mean, I think that what I, I'm just always constantly reevaluating. I mean, my husband can't handle that <laughs> I'm always yeah. like with a new idea, but, um, you know, that's just kind of how I am. I'm like, maybe this, maybe that, maybe that, that, that. like, mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I can totally relate. And, and fortunately, uh, my wife actually shares my same uh, love of that, like kind of radical free spirit. And we, we just have no future plans. It's, we signed a lease for a year that was like monumentous. Um, <laughs> we just, you know, we moved to Bali kind of on a whim for like five months and then came back and then decided when we got back, oh, let's stay. And um, it, I mean, it's nice not having kids, of course, and or any even any pets um but um but i think there's something there's something really wise about about not having your future be so concrete and then just keeping your head down and knowing that um the best way to to actually plan for your future or to, not to plan the best way to to have a nice future is is to to do something awesome today and then let that let that go out in the world and let that speak for you and then you know, hey, and then sometimes you get the emails, but it didn't, you know, the email you get today was because you weren't thinking, it wasn't because you thought about it a year ago, it was because a year ago you wrote something amazing or you got inspired and you actually put your whole heart into a project then. Exactly. I mean, I think that I, I used to really strike up these like really impossible bargains with myself. It's like, okay, if you, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. It's like, if you do this perfectly for a week, then this should happen. And mm. it's, I've really let that go. And I've said to myself, I'm just going to do, 
when it comes to my art, I mean, there's some things that you just have to be responsible about. Like that's just, you have to, like, you have to know what, how you're going to pay things and mm -hmm. things like that. But when it comes to my creative work, which is just a totally different kind of thing, I'm just like, what do I feel compelled to do today? And I, some days I'm really tuned in and it's great. Other days I don't, I'm lost and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am always kind of trusting that, yeah, like I'm planting a seed right now. I don't know what the seed's going to grow into. I have no idea, but I'm planting it and I mm -hmm. just have to do it because there's no, there's nothing I can project forward. Like that's the thing. I mean, there are certain career paths that you really see in the, the future trajectory is so clear. But when it comes to creative work, it's impossible to know. I mean, that's yeah. like with every great, with every artist that's had like measurable success, they they say they've detoured a thousand times and that's mm -hmm. just what happens. And, you know, I could try to put all these like parameters and decide that this is my trajectory and by X year, I'm going to be this and this and this. And then, you know, those plans will go out the window in about a month. So. Mm -hmm. It's, I think that that's really important to keep in mind because I held myself hostage for so long. Like, I'm not going to do a book unless I know it's going to be a bestseller. Unless, or I'm not going to do a blog unless I know it's going to be super popular in a year or blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. All these situations. Yeah. And I think that there's a... there it's like I can speak for maybe our generation, but probably other generations as well to say that there it's tough for us not to be short sighted with a lot of the projects we do. Um, Steve Pavlina wrote a, a really great article called five year commitments. And he said that, you know what we, the biggest problem we have a lot of times with projects and especially creative projects is that we severely overestimate what can happen in a year, but underestimate what can happen in five years. And, mm -hmm. And I and I've seen on so much truth in that for myself, and because I tend to think in in what I consider large chunks, but maybe they're not that big of chunks. If I'm just talking about a year, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this blog, and then it's going to in a year, I'm going to give it a year. But it's like, well, what if I gave it five years? Like, what if I actually settled in to my seat here and settled into what I'm doing in a way that was comfortable enough that I could do it for five to ten years? Like, what sort of results would I get then? And what? what sort of plants would be growing from the seeds instead of just getting something that's just sprouting out of the ground at a year, you know, what would it look like in five years? And I like the seed analogy that you used. I love that. I mean, I think that that's so, that's, I, I find that there's this weird kind of dichotomy, especially on the internet where there are people that are like, it takes a long time to build a creative career. And then there's like a 16 year old vine star. That's yeah. like, it's just like, Oh yeah. A lot of time. Like I literally know their age, 16 years old. Um, so uh -huh. yeah, it's, you know, it's really interesting because I keep trying to tell myself it does. It's, I mean, it really does though. It does take a long time, especially if you're just not pandering to people mm. and you're respecting your audience and, doing some more intellectual stuff for sure. It takes time. Mm -hmm. um, but I find that this generation especially is tasked with something very difficult where it's like, 
all right, I believe it takes time, but also that person's 15 years old and getting a million dollars per video. So, right. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm going to keep my head down, but. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's like, you know, in that, in that day that you're having that, you know, decision in your head, of course you get like, you know, 20 different articles pop up on your Facebook newsfeed or related articles that are all like, you know, overnight sensation hacks. And you're yeah. like, keep this shit away from me. Like, please. Like, I know, I know it's there, but I, I, I'm trying to work here or something. It's crazy. It is. I mean, it really is. And I have to believe though, that it's very difficult to do that, to have that kind of like, have that kind of overnight success. Because I think about if I was, when I was 17 years old or something, if I had gotten that overnight success, I don't know. It would have been a much different experience of life. There's something rich about not having it happen right away and actually mm-hmm. having to get good at what you do. I mean, now, I mean, for so long I had so much self-doubt and I don't have as much self-doubt because I've done the work. I've mm-hmm. written so much. I have like a huge body of work now. And so I can, I know that the more I write, the better I get. And the, and I, you know, know that there's more places to improve, but, you know, I think that when you're thrust into the spotlight, you kind of almost get frozen in that moment Mm -hmm. and there's not so much more to improve. Like, I I feel like I had to get so good before anybody paid attention and maybe Mm -hmm. that's just my path, but I mean, I wrote a lot and nobody paid attention. And it was only when I really put my head down and got very, very good at what I was doing that I was like, oh, okay, yeah. people need this. Um, yeah. It was yeah. much different than getting like an overnight success kind of thing for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree that I've I've looked at myself in the mirror and said the same thing. Like, like am I the one putting in like, like the you know, maximum amount of work here? <laughs> like, is it, right. you know, is any, is anybody else having to do this the hard way too? I mean, it's, it's hard, you know? But then I look at, so I tend to do this thing where I always, uh, I want to know how all my people that I admire, how they started. Of course, mm-hmm. everybody does. Yeah. Um, and pretty much everyone that I admire, none of them are like, well, you know, I was 17 and uh, got really famous and now here I am. It's like a lot of them, you know, the people who's writing especially really speaks to me, really speak to me is like people who put in so much time. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about like Ann Patchett or Cheryl Strayed or Mm -hmm. I don't know, Glennon Moyle Delton who, I mean, she she spent, Glennon Moyle Delton of uh, Momastery spent, I think a decade being a drug addict. So mm-hmm. she wasn't doing much writing then. Yeah. And it's like that she has such a rich experience. It's like actual wisdom and things that she can write about. And so I look at that and I have started to do this thing when my life isn't going the way that I want it to, or like there's a comedy of errors happening. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, well, this is just my story. I get to tell one day of like, Oh, I remember that month of the worst month of my life or something like that. Yeah. And it makes it more, 
I don't know. I'm like, this all adds to my story. This yeah. gives me rich experience to to write from. Um, but that's just me being optimistic, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. have i do have this theory for myself um that as long as i'm doing as long as i'm doing work that that feels true to me and it's and it's 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 showing signs that it's good for at least one person in this world so like that would mean that i have people that that like really give a shit about what i do and that or you know the occasional thing um goes viral that but it's not just like a outrage post or something that they're like something I something goes you know and and gets popular because of it because it's really good for the world or whatever um as long as I keep doing that and again for like five ten years I just have this like belief that I just have to hang on um you know for for another couple years another five years and I just have I I think it's a little bit I think it's a little bit ambitious or even blind at this point but but I think to myself, as long as I can keep doing that, I know it's going to work eventually. But I might just have to wait till I'm 40, and that's okay too. But then you have to ask yourself, what does it mean for it to work? Because yeah, yeah, and then I because then I can get caught up in that. That's the, that. Those are the intense expectations too, of course. When it, you yeah. know, what does it mean to work? Um, I guess you know, it, actually, in, and it, Laura, uh, Laura Jane Williams said something in, in our interview, which I. I, it had me refine how I think about my future because she said instead of this doing what you love thing, she just said it's it's about getting paid to be me. And I and I I don't know. I mean, I had thought about that concept before, but just the way that she said it had me go, yes, like that's that's what I mean. Um, because it's it would be really you know, and, and as a musician, it's 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 painfully obvious that a lot of musicians are playing music full time, but they're not getting paid to be themselves. Right. They're getting paid to be somebody else. or they're getting paid to do something that for a band they don't like or whatever. And so for me as a writer, and and I, that's kind of why I love blogging because I feel like, you know, I can, I, I'm literally in creative control of everything. I mean, like from down to the, every pixel. And, and that's a space where, uh, I've made a commitment that nothing on there is not going to be me. So, so if that succeeds, it will have at least uh, you know made a dent in this category of of what I could call like a pure success. You know, something that something that I could actually feel um, good about um, unequivocally um, because it is unequivocally me. Right. So I've been playing around that definition. I, mean, I don't know what 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 is it to you? I mean, like, do you have like, do you let go of all sort of expectations of what success might look like, or you know, how do you see you being a comfortable older person? You know, in that sense. Um, to me, I think success is more um, wrapped around the idea of freedom, and freedom i think comes in a few forms but one of them is financial freedom which is to say that you know once you get to a place of success it doesn't make everything that you do doesn't have to make money and i think that that's i don't know if that makes sense i, I it's like 
it makes sense in my mind. I don't know if that I've fleshed it out enough, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> for the most part, I've really let go of a lot of expectations of what success looks like. And I've been like, things feel a certain way. And, you know, just recently I signed with uh, a literary agent and oh, nice. I, yeah, it's really awesome. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to do a bunch of work for no money, but in my mind, I'm like, that's really success. That's a point of success for me mm-hmm. in my mind, like to be able, I now have a team and a literary management company behind me um, who's invested in the things that I do and are going to start treating my work as, you know, something commercial in a way, which is scary for sure. Mm. Um, And that's a point I'm like, that's a level of success to me. And yet it has nothing to do with money, which is also, I mean, eventually I don't want to never make money, but eventually it will, it's building to that. But Mm. that is an interesting thing because usually in my mind, it has been in the past that success equals money. And yet I, if I was making money doing something else and yet still working on pursuing, you know, being more of a full-time author, which is definitely a dream of mine, Mm -hmm. then that feels really successful, which is different than, so that's why I'm like, I'm just going to let go of things because if my idea of success is too narrow, then I'm always going to be disappointed and always going to be unsatisfied and never going to be able to say like, Hey, I got somewhere. I did a thing. And then let's go to the next thing. And I just think that that's important because I found that a, especially a creative life, it's just not a straight line. Mm-hmm. I, I, some days you some weeks as a freelancer you can make a lot of money and then other times you're like cool got nothing coming in so all right and it's just I mean I think that money is a weird place in success uh but I kind of see it as I want to be able to work on a lot of different projects and to be able to have the time for example to like spend a year writing a book instead of, you know, having to write a book on the side of doing all these other things that I'm doing just to stay afloat. Like that doesn't feel great, but eventually to me, like success is the freedom to be able to take time out to work and do creative work. That's takes longer than just like a day to write a post. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a luxury to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think in a lot of ways too, just thanks to Western society and the the world we live in, I think we're already experiencing probably a lot more freedom than we can, than we really, we kind of take for granted. Yeah. You know, because I find that for myself a lot. It's like, well, shit, like I do have a lot of free time to make art. I mean, I don't use all of it. I waste a lot of it, but you know, Hey, (laughs) it's like they're, you know, I'm not spending eight hours a day hunting for food and I'm not, right. uh, you know, my life expectancy is not like, you know, 39. So like, we're, you know, like I think there's a lot to be grateful for in, in how much time we do get to spend on art if we choose to, even if we have a full-time job. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I feel really grateful for where I'm at and 
I mean, my husband is, he was born and raised in Tunisia, in North Africa. Mm -hmm. And I mean, his view of what work is, is much different than mine. It really checks my privilege a little bit of being Mm -hmm. like, you know, he's, his family's very not, you know, they're like poverty, in poverty, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's different than I have a much, you know, it, it, it humbles me and I feel really grateful for what I'm able to do. And I think that it's, I have, it's a strange kind of like middle ground to be incredibly grateful, but also want more, which I think is tough. Mm -hmm. I, you know, to, to still dream, but also not get so caught up in the dream that you don't recognize where you've already been and where you already are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was talking to Emma, um, actually literally just about an hour ago. And I'm going to be talking to Laura again in, in, a, in a few weeks, actually in about a month. And I had, I had a question for Emma that I want to ask you as well, because I think it's, it's interesting. And, you know, as I've become friends with, with um, a few of you, as in like this kind of, um, you know, people on a similar mission yeah. um, or maybe in a similar genre, you could even call it. Um, how would you describe what's similar about you and Laura and Emma and people like that? Like what, what is it that you do or what mission are you on? Do you think? I honestly think that the one thing that ties us all together is just this incredible desire to tell the truth about our lives. Mm. Just be really real, not what we think real looks like but just really dig deep into these things that make us all very human and that we all can relate to. And, you know, I think that I don't know Laura and Emma's backstory as much, but part of the reason I write is because when I was younger, I felt so, so alone. I was like, is anybody like me at all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my God, (laughs) I'm just like lost in the world. And that's a lot of the time when I sit down to write, I go, what would I have loved to hear? And what would I have Mm. loved someone to say to me? And Mm. when I can't think of something to write, I mean, sometimes I just have ideas and I write about them. But when I'm really trying to, and I think that a lot of writers especially have that sort of backstory of just feeling misunderstood or um, feeling kind of alone and wanting to connect and not knowing where your people are and that the one way to connect is to really be, you know, Emma, Laura, and I are sort of like leaders in a sense of saying like, we'll say the thing you're afraid to say. We'll say it, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's just, let's rip our hearts open and show each other what's going on. Like, it's fine. We're Mm -hmm. all fine. And there's, and I think that there's a lot of people in that world too, where it's just like, it's sort of a kind of like brash way of just being like, all right, someone's got to say it. Someone's got to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we all do it in different ways, especially, you know, Laura's 
has this like ultra personal way of writing about her life that makes you feel like, oh my God, like, whoa, someone says the things that, you know, I think about. And yeah. Emma's really open about how, I mean, she's just wonderful in the way that she is just always talking about the things that she loves. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so different because Laura is so deep and personal and Emma is like on the same level and yet also at the same time, just like incredibly positive in this really real way, mm-hmm. which is like crazy to me. I'm like, you're really like this. Yeah. My God. And I mean, I don't know what I do, but I just like talk about the things that I feel like I wish people would talk about. That's what I taught. That's why I do it. I'm like, God, can we just talk about this? Because we're all over here talking about something that is like not the real heart of the issue. Yeah. Let's talk about this other thing. I feel like, yeah, if you had a, if you had a title to like a a book or a domain name, it could be like, can we just talk about this.com? That would be like, (laughs) (laughs) you just check to see if that's available. That would be awesome. Um, Seriously. I like feel, I mean, that's just how I've always been. And it's, you know, part of it started with my friendships. I don't really have that as much with my family. They're not, I'm kind of a little bit the strange one, Mm. but with my friendships, I started, you know, really going very, very deep and feeling an intense connection with my friendships and being like, Whoa, this is how we connect. Like we do Mm -hmm. not connect on this, like really, really surface level. This is, we connect when we're like, the walls are down. I'm not okay. Or I'm feeling this and here's the ugly truth. And it's like so humanizing. And I, I was so surprised by that. I was like, Oh, it was like my own revelation. I was Mm -hmm. just like, Oh, and I started to read other people who were talking more about the things that no one else was talking about. And I, started to realize that their writing was making me feel heard and understood. And I was like, Oh wait, I have, I feel like I have a responsibility Mm -hmm. to, if I have the capacity to do this and I'm not afraid, then that's my gift. I need to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that I also feel like that's something Laura really shares too, which Mm -hmm. is like a sense of importance, not of self-importance, but a sense of importance with the, with what she has to say. Yeah. And that's really admirable. And I think it's comes from a humble place, not from like an egotistical place. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I have this capacity and I think, and I know you have that too, Mm -hmm. of just being like, I feel like I need to do this. And I don't know why, like, I just need to, it feels important. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the you know like that 1984 uh, Mac commercial, or like the Apple commercial. Sometimes with the guy you know, and he's like running down the the theater with smashes the, you know, the TV screen. You remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. So I like, I feel like I feel like there I'm like standing in the hallway like with the hammer, being like, "Am I gonna do this? You know, <laughs> like really? <laughs> gonna, you're, you're telling me I should run down there and smash that? Like what? That's crazy." Um, yeah. you know, and it's hard that it, it's like, cause everybody's watching the TV. They seem to be enjoying it. You know, it's like, well, I want to smash that. Like, what, what are they going to watch after that? You know, it's going to be a big mess. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, let me ruin your life for a second. Yeah. Uh, 
No, I mean, the stuff that you write about especially is just like very, it's it's like myth busters of the heart. Like, oh, nice. hey, this is <laughs> like, <laughs> you believe this, but it's wrong. And <laughs> let me tell you why. And it's great. I mean, that's that's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Like we live in these like false ideas so much and it makes us kind of miserable and we don't even realize it. Like we hold ourselves like we were talking about. We like hold these ourselves hostage to these ideas that we made up for ourselves. Like mm-hmm. it's the craziest cycle and like merry-go-round of life. It's just like I'm holding myself up to these expectations and beliefs of myself that I created for myself. Like, oh mm-hmm. my God, really? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so, I mean, that's a lot of my stuff is very reflective in that way of like, here's what I thought. Here's what I think now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like, I'd like to ask you about this cause I, I know you have a lot of experience and it's something I've been thinking about with this is this idea of, so vulnerability is becoming a, a fad, right? Yeah. And it's becoming something that people use as a tool and and now there i think there 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 needs to be at least in 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 the minds of of the readers and the writers sort of a distinction between what what's let's just call it like real vulnerability and you know vulnerability for the sake of some sort of outcome i guess um how do you distinguish between this and and what would you what would you say on this subject um i think that you're right i think vulnerability has become a little buzzwordy. Um, same as like authentic. It's like very little bit of a buzzword, buzzwords, um, trendy to me. I think that the surface vulnerability is like sharing what's really going on. And it's like that, that translates to, I have hard days too, Mm. you know, it's like, okay, you know, great. But that's not really like, that's not hard to admit to me, something that's vulnerable. It is uncomfortable as all fuck to admit. Yeah. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that's when, you know, you have hit a thing that you really are vulnerable about. Mm -hmm. And then the way that it, then you have to set that free in my mind. It's like, vulnerability is setting that free and being like, all right, I'm so uncomfortable because, you know, vulnerability has seemed like it's this really fun thing or like really good thing. It's hard. Right. Like it's hard. And like healing, healing yourself. It sounds so lovely and light, Mm. but it's so hard. You got to go through all the crap you've been hiding in Mm. order to heal it. That's why you've been hiding it because it's hard. Like, yeah. Hello, and that's the same with vulnerability. Like you've been protecting yourself because this shit's hard to admit. Mm-hmm. That's why. And I think that that's sort of the the thing where it's like vulnerability is admitting that like now it's just you know life isn't always perfect for me. Like, yeah. We all do that. But what does that really mean? Like what's the thing that really bonds us Mm. and i mean it's really hard to to kind of like find a specific thing it's kind of like vulnerability is probably very personal to each person Mm -hmm. like some things for me are not hard to admit but i'm sure 
for someone else, it would be really hard for them to talk about, which right. would be very vulnerable for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I see some people do? Because it really, this is something that I haven't figured out for myself too, is like, I see some people, like, so they, uh, here's an example. Like, uh, there was a guy that I know, and he, uh, you know, was at a, a conference or a seminar and it had kind of decided, okay, I'm going to talk about my sexual abuse from my past. So it's like, all right, great. So he did that. That was vulnerable, of course, to share in a group and then first time speaking it and everything. And then, you know, but let's say now he has the opportunity to write articles and he's also promoting a book or a podcast or whatever. And so he's now, okay, I'm going to write for Huffington Post. And so I have this, now he goes, in, now he, if he's got in mind, like I would like to write an article that's super viral. Um, he knows because he's a smart person uh, that this story has some juice in it. Like he knows that if he reveals this, um, it's going to work. And now he still may be kind of, it may be kind of edgy for him to publish something like that. But when I saw him post stuff, there was this feeling of like, Oh dude, I know that's vulnerable for you, but I just, it's just weird. The way you're do, like you're using it, and it's just like, ugh, and I don't know how to describe it, but it was just this feeling of like, are we really doing this right now? Like, can we just talk about this? You know, I don't know, and so I'm still trying to tease this apart for myself, and and I, you know, and and it's, I don't know why I'm trying to tease it apart, but I am. <laughs> well, honestly, I don't know that it goes as it doesn't even have to go as far as what he said or what he's doing. It's a feeling. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. On the internet, regardless of whether, regardless that it's not in person, you can pick up people's energy. And if it feels kind of ugh, it probably is kind of ugh. Yeah. You know, like, it might be coming from a really like exploitive place, which is gross. Like, I, I think that's what it is. It's like we're coming from exploiting our own vulnerability. Yeah. That's when it's gross. Right. Yes. Like, we did I'm it. <laughs> hard story about my life because it, it'll get clicks yeah or like it'll it'll make people like me more when it's yeah. like yeah when it seems really contrived and yeah. like you're exploiting this like terrible thing that happened to you and i think people i mean not everybody's gonna see through that but a lot of people do and it feels kind of icky it's like oh yeah yeah well, put that away dude like yeah <laughs> put that back in the closet where it came from man. come on <laughs> that shit ain't belong here uh you know but and at the same time too just you know there i i also am semi glad that vulnerability has become a, a trend in that if it's if 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 our ego can be motivated a little by the fame or you know to share something and then that is like just kind of pushes us over to the edge to share something. I think there's a little benefit in that too. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like because it's cool. If it's cool to share stuff that's 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 you're ashamed of, like it's not the worst thing ever, you know. But it's so I'll take a couple people exploiting it, you know. If we're all going to try to be at least go for being real, you know, it's like it's like politicians. It's like you know, okay, clearly politicians are getting a whiff of this idea that if they're just real people. Like it would work, but the way they're executing it is so stupid that it's like you still get that they're not actually being real. They're just trying to be real now. And, and so it's like maybe we're at that stage still with like the vulnerability pieces where we're like, 
okay, listen, like, at least you're talking about the sexual abuse. Like, it may still be, yeah. you're trying to exploit it, but, you know, like, soon you'll get there. Or, or, or we'll have the politicians that are actually real, not just trying to be real. And, you know, I think that's starting to shift, too. I, I think you're totally right. I mean, it's better than the alternative. It was like when... Um you know, when same-sex marriage was legalized in the States, you know, uh, everywhere, like on a federal level, and every politician that supported it, and even the president was like, love wins. Right. And I was like, since when does love win in <laughs> politics? Like, never. <laughs> but I liked the sentiment. I was like, sure, exploit us, but also good message. Thank you. Yeah. Take right. It. You know, it's like, all right, whatever. That's fine. As long as, long as we, as long as we're moving forward, you know, right. in this, as you know. As, yeah. It's like, it's getting somewhere. It's not like, you know, money wins, which is how it really is. But right. like, at least it's, it's kind of sharing some good message. Like that's how I feel about the, I, I have a little bit of a, like, uh, just a little bit of a f- annoyance with how, everybody's trying to be authentic now. Uh I mean, at the same time, like, cool, let's show those parts of ourselves, especially on the internet. I mean, even if it is for, um, a little contrived, like at least it's, at least it's coming away from like trying to show you're perfect all the time, because that's definitely like a thing, a trend that needs to go away, which is like the appearance of perfection, or seeming like you have to be perfect in order to create whatever life you want or something, or that that makes money. Yeah. Like that's, it's nice to move away from that, even if it is a little contrived. Yeah. It's like, it's like Kim Kardashian taking a picture of herself without makeup, but still with a duck face. And she took 300 pictures to get the right one. You know, it's like, all right, whatever. I'll go take it. (laughs) It's still better than her with makeup or something, you know, it's like, all right, whatever. It's still nice to see. And like, okay, there you are. You're a little bit real now, but yeah. I mean, even though it's like for clicks and a headline again, but still, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Be after after editing and and doing uh, working with Thought Catalog. What what is like maybe a change you'd like to see, or what's something that you felt passionate about while you were in when it comes to this emergence of of money and art? Um, like what would be what would be a big um, soapbox you'd like to stand on in, in terms of coming away from that experience? Yeah, I mean, I think that what I would love to see is is just more people putting quality work out there. And I wish that that would get more clicks or it was more it was just a better marketplace for that. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say like oh, I wish people would put out like obscure work that nobody is interested in but I mean work that is done well and is not contrived or pandering I just find that it's becoming a little too much of an echo chamber of just like what people want to hear and Mm -hmm. I really do believe that there that markets can be created And just because Mm -hmm. there isn't a market for like really, really great work everywhere, it can be. It's just you have to, 
you have to communicate with your clicks and you have to communicate with the places that you put your attention and, Mm -hmm. you know, have a responsibility to that. If, you know, I see the same people who are like, Oh, lists, like clicking on lists. I'm like, well, I mean, they're going to keep writing lists if you keep clicking on it. And which is not, I mean, I have nothing against lists. I just say there's like a, people have an ax to grind with those, but I mean, I don't really know that I have, I think that there's a place for everything. So I don't know that I have a huge soapbox to stand on about that. I just, Mm -hmm. and I don't feel like I'm in a like disempowering position or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just, I do wish that we in, in all forms of media that we were, that people took more responsibility for how they're using their voice. Um, it's not about talking or like posting about it. It's about how you use your clicks and your money and your time Uh and that it's important to think about that when trying to create change. Cause the way of commerce is like people will put stuff out that makes money. And so yeah, if we buy the things or, you know, pay attention to the things that we want more of, like they'll make more of it. Like that's how I feel about a lot of, um, it like entertainment, like go see the movies with female stars. Don't go see, you know, like don't keep giving money to the things that you don't want them to keep making. And it's like something that I always, I'm like, hello, Please use your money and your time efficiently so that things actually change because that's the nature of the world. Like you can't just – people don't really – commerce isn't like a heartfelt kind of thing. Like they follow the trends. They follow what people – they think people want. Right. Right. Yeah. Love love doesn't win in commerce either. (laughs) (laughs) Likes on Facebook don't don't, uh, drive business. Money drives business. Yeah. not always. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with that, and um, yeah, it just makes you know. Somebody had said once, like, oh, you know, it, Germany spends like forty forty cents per dollar on art, and and we we spend like ten cents or something, you know, and and it it does. There's something. It does make me feel really good. It's almost like you're saying, in a way, like the hipsters are right, you know, <laughs> like like the hipsters have like there's something about the kind of hipster mindset that I do really appreciate and identify with. And I just sort of call it my, my artist self, you know, the artist is just like, come on, like, can't we just make beautiful shit? Like, can't, like, can't beautiful stuff be, be held up and held sacred enough so much that people, you know, want to make it just as much as the commercial stuff or it's, it's not just cast in some, you know, the corner of a museum somewhere when then, you know, and, and the, it, and I think there's like, there, there is a, a yearning for that, that I really share. Um, and, and I, and I like that, you know, you're, you're very practical about it too. I mean, and I expected that because you've, you've been in this world and you have been able to navigate it and, and stay sane. Um, but yeah, like I, I agree in that. And it's like, oh man, I wish, I wish that there was a space or more spaces because there is, there's plenty of space, but I wish that I wish that there was more encouragement, like innate encouragement for great art that was just built into the culture, built into the system, built into the economics. Yeah. Kind of like Paris. Like I wish like, you know, like we could learn a lot from Paris, like Paris, you know, even, you know, and it's, you can, I think you can see like 
a city's the amount of wackiness in art is a nice sign that that there is a lot of encouragement and freedom. You know, San Diego is not a good city for art. You know, and you don't see you don't see a lot of like radical stuff. Right. Um, but you go to somewhere like Paris or like some place in San Francisco, and you know, it's nice to see that that experimentalism being a lot uh, staying alive. Yeah, but you know, with all that being said, I totally agree with you. I also think like part of the that's for people who are born to do art and create. That's part of the pursuit is to, I mean, it keeps for me not having like gone to the pinnacle of my career. I don't even know what that is, but I'm whatever. Welcome. You arrived. You made it. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, (laughs) no, no, no. I'm saying like not having gotten to the pinnacle of my career, I, I find myself, I get, and I'm hungrier. I want to keep getting better. And I'm also the type of person where like, I don't think that commercial means like watered down art. I think that Mm -hmm. there's a way to marry great quality art that also goes mainstream. I don't find that selling out. And I think that I'm always really interested in like seeing where people put their money and their time and what they share and what they are interested in. And I think that that's always a really wonderful challenge to rise up to. Um, You know, it makes me, when something that I've written goes really mainstream, I'm like, okay, all right, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, not to say that I try to do that every single time, but it's nice when it happens and it means like, all right, like this is, I think that it makes, if you rise up to that challenge, it kind of makes things more interesting. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, how do I get people to care about what I'm saying? Because even if something is like pandering and very commercial, this still has to get people to pay attention. Like there's plenty of people who do that kind of stuff and still nobody pays attention. Yeah. So there is a certain X factor. And I'm like, I always try to figure that out. And there's really no way to figure it out because it's called an X factor for a reason. But I like that idea of, rising to that kind of challenge and you know it's better than i guess the 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 almost like hipster mentality of being a little bit bitter about Mm -hmm. like culture and being a little bit bitter about mainstream um i i think that there's it to me sounds interesting to find a way to marry the marry the both of them Mm -hmm. yeah there there is a lot of art in in pop like that to to make um, a hit pop song is is not like you're not churning it out from. I mean, you know, yeah, sure. Like you could look at a Nickelback song and be like, well, blah, blah, blah. but at the same time, like to get to that place is if it were easy, everybody would do it. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's another thing is like, I also started to, you know, my, my thing is not to really entertain people. I don't, I, I want people to think, which I also know like is a much slower growth, like entertainment easier growth. Like that really is people will share videos. They'll do all that kinds of stuff. It doesn't, it's like a much different situation. Um, but you know, I also have started to really see the value in entertainment too. Like Mm -hmm. there's all the value in whether the art is not as like high quality as it could be, doesn't make it any less valuable. I mean, someone who's, 
doing something really light and funny, it's, and it's maybe a little silly. It's also bringing light to someone's life. Like they're taking like the seriousness out of life too, a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think it's important yeah. as we have like critical conversations about art to also acknowledge and appreciate all the different kinds of art and all the different variations of it, whether it's like a pop song by Selena Gomez or, you know, an incredible literary achievement by, um, you know, whoever it's like Mm -hmm. very important. I I find it to me very important because I have a tendency when things are not going very well in my life to get like a little bit bitter about things, but then have to take a step back and say, Hey, like everybody's voice is worth something. Mm -hmm. Even if they are, you know, even if it's something that I don't particularly appreciate, like everybody's voice it says something and they get to have their moment too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I have a, one last question. This conversation has flown by and it's already been an hour. Um, so if you could go back in time and write yourself a note and leave it on the desk of yourself as like a beginning writer, um, what point in time would you, would you choose in your life? And then what would that note say? Um, I think when I was 24, I would say, even though it sucks, even though you don't want to do it, even though it's boring, you don't think you're very good, just write every day and put it out there. Just write. Just write something. Like, Mm -hmm. don't put pressure on it. Don't expect it to do anything, but just keep going. Like, it, you don't want to do it. You're procrastinating, but just do it. Like Mm -hmm. you'll get better. It'll be okay. You'll build to something. Just don't put any pressure on it. Cause that was the thing that I didn't do, which was stay consistent. And that's, that's really, I mean, you have to have like some sort of like baseline talent, Mm -hmm. but also, I mean, you get better as you do it more. And, I wish that I really, really like, it's not a regret because everything is meant. I, I believe that it's all to a greater purpose, but mm-hmm. that's the thing I really wish I would have done. I'm like, yeah. I wish I would have just kept writing and done it consistently. Even if no one was paying attention, right. cause I would have, it would have saved me a lot of self-loathing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It kind of reminds me of a quote from Byron Katie. She said that um, you, you can get anything you want in the world if you're willing to ask a thousand people for it. And it's sort of like, you know, hey, 20 something year old self, like you're going to get to write whatever you want if you're really willing to write a thousand shitty articles first. Yeah. You know, and that's so true because, yeah, I, I kind of am it like you picking up that wisdom later in life and still going, well, it's still time. So let's write those shitty articles, you know, let's do this. But, um, yeah, it's so true. Like, you know, that what, a, what a gift that would be to, to get that stuff out of the way at a young age. For sure. I mean, and also like the, this idea that I was waiting around for to be good enough and for someone to give me permission to say what I want to say. I mean, I wish I would have spent so much less time worrying about being good enough mm-hmm. and just would have put my freaking head down and done the work because confidence is like comes in action. It doesn't, you can't think about something for years and be like, 
figure out confidence. It's like, if you get confident when you just do it, just keep mm. doing it. And I'm realizing that I'm like, Oh shoot. Nice. <laughs> My God, I wasted a lot of time worrying if I was good enough or talented or just like, right. Damn. I want those ears back. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode, there are two more episodes. If you have not heard them, I think you'll love. Uh, the first one is the last one with Emma Gannon. That's episode 41. You can go darkenthepage.com slash 041 to find that. And another one is with Laura Jane Williams, episode 26. Uh, darkenthepage.com slash 026. Or you can find both of those on iTunes. And um, Laura, Emma, and Jamie make an awesome team of women who are um, really doing a lot in the world of blogging and and authenticity and just talking about what, what their life is really like. And I've had a great time interviewing them all. And Laura is actually going to be back on the show in a month too. So go make great art. <laughs>